Hello and welcome to Rip Off Tip Off, the podcast where you'll hear candid conversations with guests who work in the consumer protection space. I'm your host, Ezra Cooper-Smith, Investigations Coordinator at the Better Business Bureau serving Greater Denver and Central Colorado. For today's episode, I chatted with Ron Ojeda, who manages the Denver City Government's Consumer Financial Protection Division. Ron is a bit of a walking encyclopedia, but for this episode, I wanted to talk to him about one issue specifically, wage theft. Before we could get to wage theft, though, Ron dropped an absolute bombshell piece of information on me. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Chicago, uh, born and raised in Chicago. Wait, uh, really? And, and, um, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, I really thought you were, you were born in Denver. No. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're going to find something out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe it's because you're so ingrained in Denver right now. Yeah, and, and, and I think the ingraining can, comes from a, comes from a moral place. Right, and the way I was brought up. Uh, so I was I was born in Chicago, and uh, my parents were both born in Texas. So I'm a third and fourth generation Hispanic. Uh, my dad was born in Del Rio. I think my mom was born outside of Austin, Texas. And uh, when let's see, they moved to Chicago about. 75 years ago. They have both since passed. Wow. They moved to Chicago about 75 years ago. And when they moved from Texas to Chicago, I've said this before, it was because they were really running away from something, okay? And that something, of course, was basically, you know, uh, prejudice, you know, and uh, they were looking for more opportunity. Um, I think one of the reasons that uh, I, for example, my... I used the name Ron Ojeda, really, for, you know, for 50 years of plus years of my life. And that's how my father pronounced it, not Ojeda. And uh, he was a big stickler on, you know, hey, you're American, you speak English, right? And I, he, he so deeply ingrained that into us because he wanted to simply fit in. Uh, so that's how my background, I, you know, I, I, uh, I was a really straight straight arrow kid, you know, I got a degree in accounting and I wound up hating accounting. Okay. <laughs> and that's how I got into financial services and wound up spending 30 years of financial services. And it was that, uh, it was when I felt I really truly needed a change that I let some of the work I was doing in those latter years basically guide some of what, where I would actually end up. I actually wound up getting into this space because I was working with a couple of elderly women who'd been taken advantage of by bad financial advisors. And I helped to get their situation straight and helped to make the of those advisors that did or did them wrong, I made them accountable for that. And uh, when I started looking for something else to do, I thought about working in foundations because uh, I'd raised a great deal of money during my career. And uh, then I was it was at that point that I met Jay Salas who is the director of the Office of Financial Empowerment, and told me that they were going to start this a consumer financial protection agency for the city and county of Denver. And would I like to be part of that? And I said that, that I think that would really be a great fit for me. So I was the one who actually started the consumer financial protection unit within the city and county of Denver, and I actually created my own position. So yeah. why don't you tell us a bit about I say us. Why don't you tell listeners a bit about 
what your position actually entails, and then we can maybe narrow things down a bit sure. after that. So uh, maybe what it, it would help if I just give a real brief overview of the Office of Financial Empowerment, okay? Mm -hmm. The Office of Financial Empowerment started in about, uh, about 2013. It uh, really was able to grow because it got funding from a, from a, a foundation in New York uh, that was run by one of uh, Mayor Bloomberg's former deputy mayors who headed up their consumer financial protection. So that it was about two, 2015, they officially became an entity. And we currently have three major portfolios. One is a thing called Bank On, where we help people who are unbanked and underbanked get back into the financial system. Mm -hmm. Another is financial coaching, where we help people to basically change their lives by changing it the way in which they look at their financial situation, reducing debt, improving credit scores, and actually helping them to achieve the financial dreams that all Americans have. And the third part is consumer financial protection. And these all intertwine. They're like, uh, they're like congruent circles, if you will, where they all, they all meet in the center serving the same purpose, which is to bring economic stability to families and providing the firm foundation for them to grow and achieve the dreams that all Americans want to achieve. So the work in consumer financial protection started as a result of the fact that there were a number of issues that were uh, that were in the Denver area and actually all around the state and around the country, many of these issues. And uh, they, even though they were being addressed by separate agencies, Attorney General's Office, the District Attorney's Office, uh, other uh, enforcement agencies and uh, some politicians even, that there was no real coordination of efforts. So what would happen is you would have a disconnect going on and multiple agencies doing the same kinds of things and not really communicating with each other and losing efficiencies. And who suffered with those inefficiencies? The residents, the victims of these, of these financial frauds. So our idea was to go about determining first, where were we going to focus? So we had convenings with about 25 different government agencies and 40 different not-for-profits, all outward-facing agencies that, that, that dealt with people, residents on a day-to-day -day basis. And we went to them and asked them, what are the most pressing issues? What are Because if we wanted to go after all the issues, we identified 13, 14 issues, we'd fail too much. So we narrowed it down to five issues that we would go after. Those five issues were wage theft, fair housing, fair lending, elder financial abuse, and notario fraud. And then we broke those groups. We broke out groups. Uh, and we got we got people who were working in each of those individual spaces, and we tried to get a sense of where would this, what was the state of the city at this point, and what could we do moving forward. That's what we used as the basis to build the Consumer Financial Protection Unit as it stands today. So we might have to have you back on because I feel like we could do an episode for each of the topics that you just mentioned. But you know, I had mentioned having you on specifically to talk about wage theft, mm -hmm. um, which is an issue that BBB often gets complaints about. And to tell audience members, as of recently, we've set up a pipeline basically where we now send wage theft complaints that we get to your office for you guys sure. to uh, you know, pick up and investigate. But could you just elaborate a bit on what we actually mean when we say wage theft, what constitutes wage theft, what right. that actually sure. looks like for people in our area who experience it. 
Absolutely. And I think that that's going to that some of these examples are going to surprise people because you don't think of them off the bat. Okay. When we hear the word theft, we narrow it down to, to one act and what it would look like. Well, um, I'm going to give you several examples here. Um, paying less than the minimum wage, mm-hmm. uh, not paying for amount of time that someone actually works, issuing a paycheck that's not valid, a fraudulent paycheck, avoiding payment of overtime, making a worker pay for the job, unexpected deductions from paychecks, stealing tips, not paying the worker at all. And the last one is, a, is a, we found to be, uh, there's a predominance of this, failure, excuse me, failure to issue a final paycheck. It's one of the main categories that the Department of Labor and Employment here in Colorado has is re- in regard to the different kinds of complaints that they get. Mm. So those are all examples of wage theft. First, I just want to ask, you know, obviously without compromising anyone's privacy, mm-hmm. are there any egregious instances of, of wage theft you can think of that have, have happened just to illustrate sure. what it looks well, I- like? I'm going to give you <clears throat> I'm going to give you two examples of wage theft. One that has remedies within the current laws and ordinances, and okay. another that does not. The first one uh, I'll give you I'll give you an actual case. I mean, obviously, I won't give you any specifics as to people involved in them, mm-hmm. but uh, we have a case where uh, we have a person who worked for a certain type of agency or uh, organization, and uh, they, uh, they weren't really getting paid for overtime. They would, have, uh, they would have incorrect hours on their paychecks. Uh, they would be issued paychecks that where they were, they were, there, there were no funds at the back of those paychecks. So they got NSF and the person had to go uh, back to that, um, to that company and say, hey, you know, this thing bounced on me. So they had to get new checks. And this was being done with as many as 30 of this company's employees. Wow. And the people that were running the company, turns out that they had some issues with another company that they owned in another state. So these, this person came to us. What we did with that is we uh, first referred them over to Colorado Department of Labor and Employment. That is where you go for, for complaints about wage and hour, uh, rather violations of the wage and hour law. Now in the state, in the city of uh, Denver now, we also have the minimum wage law, which just started this year. And now you can go to the auditor's office if the complaint happened in Denver for minimum wage complaints. But we send it to the CDLE so they could get resolution there. Then because of the involvement of fraudulent checks, uh, that's financial fraud and that is a crime. It was also then forwarded to the district attorney's office so that they could handle the case too. So there's a case where we actually sent it to two agencies. Now, what we also asked this uh, employee was, has this lack of pay or, or losing some of his pay, has it caused him to be in distress in any other ways? Has, for example, has he not been able to pay his rent? Has he not been able to pay utilities, put food on the table? If he was not, but if he had been, we would have been able to provide him referral to agencies that could have helped him and assisted with those issues also as we brought resolution to his complaints. Another complaint I can think of where there really is no resolution directly except for the courts in a civil case is we have multiple cases where contractors uh, working in the city of Denver or in the surrounding area 
uh, have not paid their subcontractors. Sometimes on one project to the tune of anywhere from 200,000 to a million dollars. The subcontractors who are small business owners have gone ahead and paid their workers, but they're caught in the middle because now they haven't been paid by the general. Sometimes these general contractors will literally walk away from it. They will start new companies. They will go to another state. Uh, the fact is that without the process of putting liens on properties and going to civil court, which a lot of these small businesses do not have the resources to do, there's no remedy for them. It's, a, it is a, it's kind of a black hole. And we are looking to try to establish what's called a UDAP mm -hmm. in the city and county of uh, Denver, which stands for Unfair, Deceptive, and Abusive Acts and Practices. It is a general consumer financial protection law, which... Uh, which would give us more authority to go into these these uh, unordinanced or unstatuted uh, type places uh, and have some standing to say, well, you know, it's unfair, it's undece or deceptive in the way in which you didn't pay these people, and there's recourse for the individuals. Have you seen COVID-19 affect, you know, the volume of these wage theft complaints you're getting or the nature of the type of complaints that we're seeing? Has that impacted the situation at all? Um, not as of yet. I think that people have been getting dollars from different federal subsidies as part of the CARES Act, uh, whether it's small businesses getting, you know, small business grants or loans or individuals getting dollars even though they're unemployed. However, those dollars are all running out. Uh, and uh, I think that it is more likely that you're going to see people going into, into the crevices of their past to find dollars that were owed to them, that were not paid to them, that they were able, were more willing to look past and say, I'm going to be okay anyway, and it's too much of a hassle, so I'm not going to bother. So I think okay. that you might see some of that. I think that you're going to see more businesses going out of going out of business. And uh, here's an instance where we've got both sides uh, that uh, are at risk populations. You know, they just weren't able to pay those final paychecks. Remember, I said that mm -hmm. issuance of final paychecks is, is a big uh, component of, of a waste of complaints to the Department of Labor and Employment. I, see, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. The answer about how they're going to get resolution is a difficult and complex one. I don't know what the story is, but I, you know, whenever you have a larger at-risk population, uh, you have more instances of wage theft. And also, wage theft, the, the large portion of wage theft happens to people in at-risk communities, such as uh, immigrants, refugees, uh, you know, people who are undocumented, who don't feel as though they have a legal right to go ahead and press their case. And people who are not, who may, may be low income or have a, a, an maybe less of an education than, than other groups, right? They just aren't aware of their rights. It's our job to, to, to get that education out to the community and make them aware. But you know, I, I, I don't think that there's any way that we won't see an increase in the instance, instance of, uh, of wage debt in the city. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's unfortunate. That's kind of what we've been seeing at the BBB as well. Just that anytime there's there's something that makes people's financial situations trickier, inevitably there's a snowball effect. 
that you know comes back to bite people who are not in the best financial situation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned that when it comes to getting some sort of a remedy for wage theft, it it completely depends on the situation and the nature of of the actual theft. But is there any anywhere that you could direct maybe people who live in Denver proper or who dealt with a business based in Denver proper to try and get back on their feet in the immediate? Yeah, I encourage them to call our agency. Um, what we will do is we we have uh, created a complaint management system. It's a Salesforce-based system, completely scalable. Um, what we will do is we will take their complaint, especially if it's in those five issues, mm-hmm. uh, as as well as the overall issue of eviction at this time because of the 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 huge tsunami that we expect in evictions because of the COVID-19 uh, impacts on the economy. We I encourage them to call our number, which is if it's one of the five issues uh, I mentioned: wage theft, fair housing, fair lending. Um, Elder financial abuse or notarial fraud, it's 720-913-1900. If it's for any other issues within the city, we can help them to navigate the city and get to the right resources. That number is 720-994-2498. Again, 720-994-2498. Our navigator has a has a toolbox of resources available, both government agencies and nonprofit organizations that can be brought to bear to help them in uh, in a situation. Uh, it is it's not our job to enforce. It's not our job to provide these services directly, but we will get them to the right place. If you believe you've been the victim of wage theft and wish to report it to Denver's Consumer Financial Protection Division, you can do so by email at cfpd at denvergov.org. You can also call the number that Ron mentioned earlier, which is 720-913-1900. To report fraud to BBB, including employment scams, visit bbb.org slash scamtracker. And keep an eye out for a bonus episode of this podcast covering how Ron and his colleagues at the City of Denver are addressing an anticipated rise in evictions throughout the city. Thanks for listening.